Welcome back to the Meet the Translator podcast. My name is Dot Roberts and today I'm joined by Chris Drew for an episode all about sport translation. Chris is going to tell us all about what he does, his favourite project and the challenging parts of being a sport translator. He'll also be offering some advice to anyone who wants to translate or subtitle sport-related content. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Chris, it's really great to have you back on the podcast today. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, good to be back. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. It's nice to have our um, first ever in-person episode now. Ah, yes. Excellent news. All jabbed up and ready to go. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's handy that you live in Manchester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so can you remind everyone who you are and what it is you do? Yep, so I'm Chris Drew. I'm a translator or a language professional more widely. I work from mostly from Spanish into English and translate texts as well as audiovisual content. Mm-hmm. That's that's a broad summary anyway. Yeah, that's good. So today we're going to be focusing on the world of sport translation. Can you sum up what it is you do with regards to sport translation? Yeah, so I've worked in sports translation now for about three years, mm-hmm. I think, something like that. And a lot of it involves translating content from major tournaments, international tournaments, things like pre-match, post-match interviews with players and staff. Mm-hmm. Sounds quite um, quite interesting if you're into sports. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 um, why did you choose sports as a translation specialism? Uh, it, was, it wasn't entirely by choice. It sort of was. It's, I've always been a big sort of sports fan. I played a lot of sports growing up. I played rugby, you know, up until a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and watched plenty of sport. Or oh, a big fan of, you know, the Olympics every four years, the Commonwealths every four years, the World Cups, everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw an opportunity to work on the Women's World Cup for football uh, a few years back now. And it was when I was just getting started out as a translator. So... I thought, well, this this is great. This combines something I'm interested in, which is sport, and also uses my languages, gets me a, a nice little foothold on the mm-hmm. on the job market. And sort of just because I knew uh, about football, I knew there would be plenty of Spanish content to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to cover over the course of the, the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I applied for that, did a little test, and they they took me on, the, the agency that was working on it, and... That was it. That was my my first sort of major job as a translator, and I've been carrying on doing all sorts of sporting events ever since then. Really, mm-hmm. did you particularly want to work on football related content? Is that something? Is football something that you really like, or was that just sort of by chance that that's how it started? To be honest, football was not like it was never my first sport. It's not my mm-hmm. you know, my preferred sport. Like I said, I always played rugby, watched rugby. I I would watch football, mm-hmm. but not nearly as much as I would, would watch some other sports mm-hmm. but obviously football is the major global sport really so it's something you, I mean it just it was a really good opportunity so I was like oh, I can't not do that I do enjoy football mm-hmm. um, and actually ever since then and working on more football I've watched a lot more football yeah. <laughs> not, you know I've started watching teams I don't really know anything about teams I don't support mm-hmm. teams you know competitions that I wouldn't previously have paid any attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's kind of, yeah, my interest in football has grown in tandem to like my work translating football content. Mm-hmm. I guess that works out quite well because it means you can kind of watch watch matches in your free time and it counts as CPD. Um, yeah, <laughs> in a way, because you're, you're, you're learning all the terms on things that they say, and you can then use that in your work, I guess. Yeah, no, well, this is it's definitely, I mean, I don't know whether I could count it as CPD technically, <laughs> but you like to think it is at least a bit productive. You, you know, you do, which we'll probably come on to this later, but there is a lot of, there is a language. Every sport has its own language, apart mm-hmm. from, you know, English or Spanish or whatever, There's, it has its own language, so mm-hmm. you need to be aware of those things. Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, if you enjoy sport, then translating it for sport should be should be good for you. Mm-hmm. In the same way that if you like films, then subtitling films should be a good mm-hmm. good area to go into. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just like I, I say that watching Netflix is my CPD. <laughs> no, yes. I, yeah. I do do other CPD, but it, <laughs> you can just pretend. <laughs> So that question, actually, I forgot to say, that question was from Sylvia. The next question is from Ava, and she asks, are sports translators specialised in only one or a couple of sports, or are they expected to do all sports? That's uh, a good question. I mean, I can't, I can't speak for everyone. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for all of them. But it's certainly I wouldn't just take on any sport. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, they, they all have their own language. So in football, you can talk about false nines, rabonas... Uh, things like this which yeah, from the look on your face (laughs) you wouldn't know what I mean in rugby you've got scrums malls knock-ons and every sport has its own terms so if you don't and the way they use those terms as well Mm -hmm. even if you know that that word means one thing you don't necessarily know how it gets used in the sporting context unless you watch that sport Mm -hmm. so yeah I tend to focus on the sports I know well and watch so that does tend to be football and rugby mm-hmm. I, I watch a lot of sports just had have many three weeks or so watching all of the olympics that i could wow. um but i yeah certainly if somebody came to me with i don't know sailing i'd have to think twice because I, I can't tell you i know that much about how a boat works yeah <laughs> is it just football and rugby that you've used professionally or have you translated content on any other sports most of my work has been football or rugby, um, variations of football as well. And it's not always about matches, so it's not always that interview before or after a match. Sometimes it can be sort of sport-adjacent content, so Mm -hmm. people talking about new kits, new equipment, Mm -hmm. more sort of entertainment side of sports. You'll see it if you ever watch a sport on TV, there'll be, you know, you'll get interviews with players or whoever just sort of messing around a bit having a joke things Mm -hmm. like that but yeah I think mostly it's been football and rugby so far Mm -hmm. so you've said that you translate content around obviously rugby and football what type of content is that like is that text is that audiovisual so the majority of the things that I translate for the sports tends to be audio or Mm -hmm. audiovisual um because, it, like I say, it comes from those press conferences or those interviews with players, and I'll get the the audio or the video file of them having that discussion, and then translate it into English. Mm-hmm. The majority of the work I've done has has been audiovisual. There are occasionally text translations for 
things like that tends to be more about kit releases new things like that mm-hmm. uh, equipment where it would be say a press release or something mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the the reactions and the previews to matches mm-hmm. so why like why is it that you focus on audiovisual translation with sport is it because that's what there's more of that kind of content available or is that just what you prefer to do rather than lots of text translation so far that has been just the majority of of the sporting work available to me has been in the audiovisual format i work with text translation a lot in other fields that i that i work in but i haven't had so many uh, from from sports to to deal with so i don't know whether there are more or less uh, it's sort of hard to tell from my perspective mm-hmm. but my guess is that these days people tend to interact with sports via audiovisual audio means mm-hmm. um, you know YouTube videos or watching the matches on the day mm-hmm. whatever it is so that that would be my assumption would be that it is mainly mm-hmm. audiovisual one of your other areas of specialism is like political stuff and I can imagine that there's probably more like there's probably more sport videos that people watch than politics i know there are politics videos obviously <laughs> but like yeah no, it's okay you can I say mean... football is more popular than the than international <laughs> but, <I> mean... <laughs> yeah but people like i mean i don't football and politics are not really things that i am into or know a huge amount i don't translate them obviously but like i can imagine there's probably a lot more text to be translated with regards to politics compared to football yeah i think i think so because it's well <laughs> depending on your point of view it's not a spectator event politics um so it does tend to be sort of serious documents written by various people that need to go around and sort of serve a purpose as opposed to interviews or mm-hmm. or being for entertainment yeah yeah it's not supposed to entertain although it might do sometimes <laughs> yes yeah. Okay, let's move on to your favourite project. What is your favourite project that you've ever worked on in the field of sport? I think it would have to be the Rugby World Cup a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, rugby's always been my number one sport. I, it's the sport I played. Uh, it was held out in Japan, the Rugby World Cup. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go. But um, <laughs> it meant a lot of early mornings. Mm-hmm getting up watching matches which is always good in my book watch watch good for you rugby matches and then i just did a lot a lot of work translating transcribing interviews with players who i've seen play professionally you know at club level and at international level for years now so Mm -hmm. it yeah i felt i felt i suppose just a more of a connection um and I just, yeah, I did a lot on it. It was a really enjoyable tournament to watch as well, just in general. So that always helps. Mm-hmm. So how come, I mean, maybe it's just me not knowing, but how come a rugby World Cup that's hosted in Japan has so much Spanish content that needs translating into English? Uh, so there were two Spanish-speaking teams at the World Cup in mm-hmm. Japan, if I remember rightly. It was Argentina and Uruguay. Mm-hmm. And... So they their interviews, some of them would speak in English, mm-hmm. but sometimes they prefer to speak in Spanish. And so rugby is very popular in the English-speaking world mm-hmm. um, for historical reasons. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the people watching that World Cup would have been English speakers mm-hmm. rather than Spanish speakers, I imagine. 
yeah. especially outside of those two countries. Yeah. And Argentina are a very good rugby team as well. They, they compete regularly with the likes of New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Uruguay actually had a, a huge win as part of their, their group stage as well. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a lot of content from those two teams, their fans, their coaches, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I also, as I've, as I've mentioned before, I work on English transcriptions as well. And mm-hmm. there are plenty of rugby teams that speak English. <laughs> yeah. So what are the most challenging parts of the job there are probably two things i would say because you're working a lot of the time with audiovisual content you have to deal with not being able to hear or understand people as quickly as you would in a scripted drama mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. so one of the problems can be crowd noise especially in post-match interviews they tend to take place just on or just at the side of the pitch mm-hmm. so you've got to hear the questions and answers over the top of the crowd noise that that can be quite challenging at times mm-hmm. and the other thing is that again because it's not scripted and because they're sports people uh who may or may not have just played a match mm. and they certainly haven't prepared speeches yeah. <laughs> the way they speak in you know whoever, whoever it is whatever language is not necessarily the easiest to understand even if you're a native speaker. Mm-hmm. The sentences can run off in all sorts of directions. Which is fine when you are a native speaker, you can sometimes you can sort of work out what matters and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. But when you're translating, uh, it does depend on the languages. It can be difficult to work out what they're actually trying to say. Yeah. Especially if they don't speak very well for one reason or another. Yeah. Uh, so that that can sometimes be a challenge mm-hmm. but you you get there you work out you know you especially that's one of the reasons why it's very important to have that context i think of watching games um looking at if you didn't manage to watch the game they're talking about making sure you've got the you know a review of the match a summary mm-hmm. uh, the stats up and you know, that gives you a lot of context clues to sometimes work out why they were trying to to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to make that sentence work yeah so yeah, those are the two challenges. I think just just understanding the audio content when it's not scripted and and can have a lot of crowd noise. Mm-hmm. And are there any bits of the job that are really really easy, like the easiest bits of your job? The easiest bits of the job, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably on the rare occasion that there are scripted bits, mm-hmm. sometimes for whatever reason they'll just have players saying their names into the camera or saying sort of a very simple sentence into the camera for a a little thing on social media or on the telly Mm -hmm. or something obviously those are very straightforward yeah i guess as long as you get their names right yeah yeah you should know who it is that you've got in the conversation (laughs) so what skills and knowledge do you need to be able to translate sport content and do you actually have to actively be involved in a sport to be able to translate content on it? Uh, okay, so skills, I mean, obviously languages. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a given for this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next thing is like anything, I think you just need to know and understand, like I said before, you need to understand the language of the sport. Mm-hmm. So being able to know what it is they mean and how people talk about that sport in your language, in your, in your native language or your your target language so those are obviously like any other translation those are those are the main skills and i think that comes on to the second part of your question you, you don't necessarily have to be a sports person yeah 
you don't have to play. I've never really played football. Mm-hmm. But you do, I think, have to watch it and understand it to a good level. Not You don't have to be Pep Guardiola. <laughs> 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 he's, he's a coach. He okay. coaches Man City. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you don't have to be Pep, but you, if you don't understand what happens on a football pitch or on a rugby pitch or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. you're going to struggle to understand the, the nuance and the context of the discussion that their players having with the interviewer or whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. So actively involved, I guess, not in terms of playing the sport, although it can't hurt, mm-hmm. but certainly in terms of consuming content about the sport and, and understanding how it works mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense so obviously the last episode that we did together which was the first episode of my podcast um go which and was find about, it on all your good podcatchers yeah <laughs> um it was about our masters because obviously we studied a, a masters together in manchester yeah which is why chris also lives in manchester were there any parts of the Masters that helped you in what you do now with regards to sports translation? Do you find that, do you think that someone would need to have a Masters in translation to be able to do this? Oh, um, there was nothing specifically sports related that I did as part of my Masters, so mm-hmm. not really specifically directly. I think the audiovisual side of things obviously did because a lot of the work, as I said, is in that field, so... Mm-hmm understanding how things like subtitles work and how to condense those messages when you need to fit them inside character limits. I think that's all good. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the main thing directly from the Masters. Mm -hmm. Do you need one? That's the the, the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, We probably talked about it more in the last one. Yeah. And I mean, I talked to um, the previous episode to this one was with Ava and she doesn't have a Masters translation. That was interesting to hear from her side. So I guess, like, there are, that's more of a question of, like, do you need one yeah. for translation in general? Yeah, I think it, exactly. I don't think the the Masters has is a specific thing to sport more than it is to any other part mm-hmm. of, of translation. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, people like Ava are very good translators who don't have yeah. the Masters in translation. So, so it is possible, of course it is. Yeah. Um, it's just going to depend on what you've done to get to that stage, you mm-hmm. know, because it, it is more than just knowing the two languages, yeah. obviously. Yeah, for sure. But um, at the end of the day, that Masters is just one route to getting mm-hmm. that skill as a translator. Actually, wasn't there a, because um, I was like, oh, maybe there's a way you can, because like Ava went down the, I think she went down the UX UI route and then went into translation and already having the two languages. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could like, go into sport and then come into translation from that because it wasn't isn't there um the the guy the, the Tottenham Spurs guy <laughs> wasn't he an interpreter okay yeah Jose Jose Mourinho yeah he was who, an interpreter he's, he's now he? with Rome Roma oh okay yeah, he, they, they sacked him sorry um, <laughs> sorry Jose <laughs> uh, he yeah but he went yeah he he did work as an interpreter for a while and then became a coach because I wonder how he got. I mean, I don't know whether you know. I don't know enough <laughs> but, about his history. I know he did work as an interpreter, though. That is that is what he did. He worked over I in Spain. I wonder how he got in because he probably didn't do a master's in interpreting. I mean, he might have done a master's in interpreting. I don't know actually. I honestly don't know whether he did a master's. In... I'll have to interview him next time. <laughs> if you get Jose on this podcast, I will be. <laughs> I'll be extremely happy. I would love to come on. If you do get Jose okay. somehow. Everyone, please 
So, At Jose Mourinho. <laughs> tell him I want him on my podcast to talk about his integrity. Yeah. Oh, that would be. <laughs> Oh, that would be great. He's a he's a real character. Um, no, I don't know whether he did a masters, but he, yeah, he went from he went from interpreting into becoming a, a, a very successful head coach. Um, so I suppose there's always yeah. there's always maybe options. this is a route to go down. This if path you, you want can to follow. become a head coach. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you do. do you do you get to actually go and like watch any of the sporting events as part of your job? So far, no, I haven't been mm-hmm. to a sporting event. As part of my job, I go to lots of sport anyway because mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Uh, I said to you, I'm off to the Etihad tomorrow, so that's going to be nice. Because I'm not an interpreter, it's not generally as necessary to be in a particular location. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the future, if there was a situation that came up where me going there would be good or would be something that work would want me to do, mm-hmm. then I'd 100% go. Yeah, and it cool. probably wouldn't really matter what the sport was as long as I had a good idea. I would brush up and learn <laughs> because I'm always up for a trip. Yeah. Um, but no, unfortunately so far, no um, no trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense that it would be more of a thing you do as an interpreter, I guess. Yeah, like, like so much of translation, it's uh, it's very remote, mm-hmm. uh, homeworking-based. And also, we have just had 18 months of a pandemic, so that's not That's very true. There has even... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, actually. Has that affected your sporting work at all? Because, obviously, I know there were periods where some sports had to stop or they had to they had to sort of play with no... Um, crowds. Crowds, yep. that's, that's what they're called, <laughs> um, and things like that. Did that affect your work at all? Um, did it affect my work? Actually, there was... There was that break in football where sort of nobody was playing mm-hmm. um, when we in the UK had our first lockdown mm-hmm. uh, back in, what was it, March 2020? Yeah. So for, for a couple of months, I can't remember how long, long it was now, but there was a couple of months where there was just no sport really being played anywhere. Mm-hmm. But during that time, there was still, I think like everyone, everyone got on Zoom and started mm-hmm. recording interviews and and talking about sport from the past classic mm-hmm. moments of sport so there was still quite I still had quite a bit of work actually uh, which was you know which I'm very lucky for because I know a lot of people their work just dried up but mm-hmm. thankfully people found a way people still wanted to enjoy sport yeah. just because it wasn't being played so they, they found there was other content that people were watching instead mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I still worked okay so for anyone listening who is a translator or a future translator, wants to be a translator, and they want to get into the sports industry, do you have any advice for them or, yeah, anything? Well, the first thing would be, in my opinion, if you're into sports already, you've you've made a good start. Mm -hmm. If you're not interested in sports, you probably wouldn't want to. (laughs) But... But if for some reason you were somebody who didn't like sports but still wanted to work in the field of sports, <laughs> the, well, it's possible. Oh, why would... Okay, yeah, anyway, uh, the, what, what's but, the advice? But the, yeah, no, ultimate, ultimately, the main piece of advice is keep watching sport in your source language and target language. Mm-hmm. Read about sport in both languages. See if you can find parallel texts of some description because... There are different, like I say, it's all about just learning that language, the way people talk about sport. You, you'll find 
it's got it's quite formulaic in English at least the way people talk about sport and that's mm-hmm. why you'll see it parodied a lot in in comedy shows and sketch shows because there is a, there is a cadence there are catchphrases that mm-hmm. everyone uses a lot but you need to know those things to be able to translate it without sounding out of place mm-hmm. so yeah that's the first advice is just know the sport mm-hmm. know about it understand it the next piece of advice would basically just be have a look online in the usual places see where there might be opportunities coming up for tournaments maybe local teams maybe anyone who you think might need translation services coming up or that might already be providing translation services for sports get in touch see if they need you i mean this is the case for any field that you go into really you've got to just do that networking do that research find out is that sport being translated into your target language if it isn't is that because nobody really watches that sport in your target language or is it because they just haven't done that yet so there's lots to be considered but if you yeah you find there'll be there's a few agencies that work with sports there's obviously governing bodies for all the different sports as well they many of them will also have translator roles mm-hmm. or interpreter roles if that's what you do so just yeah make sure you know the sport get out there keep looking for opportunities and hopefully it'll come good for you it's it's like anything you've got to, you've got to work hard just to find things at the start when you're when you're beginning in your career but once you get that experience hopefully more and more will, will keep yeah. coming and it's and it's just it's like any other translation field the more experience you get the more mm-hmm. people are gonna want to use your services yeah it makes sense you just i guess the first step is you just need to find those first clients yep um with doing the sport work that was what i was gonna ask you now you sort of touched on this but how do you find how do you find your clients for sport translation uh same way as you find clients for anything <laughs> linkedin mm-hmm. um different translation directories places like pros mm-hmm. who will know about you i haven't got any direct sports clients at the moment but they're another way of working out a lot of teams now certainly in football will have multiple language versions of their social media content because mm-hmm. they're attracting fans from different countries mm-hmm. so those are probably the, the sort of three big places to look but also, again, the governing bodies. Go on the governing body websites and see if they have a careers page. They might well have careers in languages. Mm-hmm. I think those are, those are it, really. I mean, if you've, if you've looked for translation work before, it's all the same places. Mm. It's all the same places. I guess one thing you can do with... I've kind of mentioned this before in podcasts, but with subtitling, one thing you can always do is if there's not translation content or you're struggling to find translation jobs, you can you can start out by subtitling English content in English and creating sort of closed captions or subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. So I guess like maybe if you were to contact like your local clubs or something, anyone that's like, they might have small videos. Do you think that could be a good way to Yeah, that's that's not necessarily a bad experience. idea. If you've, if you've got the, the time and you're willing to do it, you might not get paid. That's sadly the case. Mm. Yeah, I guess it depends on how, what kind of... What level your got. sport is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it doesn't have to start off as translation. You can start off working on your, your native or your target language. 
just in terms of subtitling or transcription, depending on what they want to use it for. Mm. And that, again, that builds up that experience that shows that knowledge of the sport that you need to be able to do the translation. Mm-hmm. So where do you personally want to progress in the future? Do you have any sort of dream projects you want to work on or anything like that? Dream projects. I can't think of a dream project. I mean, the more sports content I get to work on, the better. But I enjoy, mm-hmm. I, you know, I really do enjoy it. Sports is sort of my main, mm-hmm. or one of my main things outside of work. Just very lucky that it also overlaps with my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to what we said earlier, I'd definitely love to go and be at mm-hmm. a tournament and somehow have that to be part of my work would be, mm-hmm. would be excellent. Can you see yourself ever branching into interpreting? Into interpreting, I, I've considered. I've considered moving into interpreting. Obviously, that then requires another, another yeah, level of training. training. <laughs> um, I don't know whether I'd have what it takes. It's not something I've tried before, but definitely, I think in in the next few years, it's something I'm going to consider mm-hmm. because it's certainly a skill that's needed in in the field of sports as well as mm-hmm. plenty of others. So that could be a good way of working more and more in that field. And um, you get to go to more matches, and probably. Potentially, yes, potentially. <laughs> and maybe even meet the, the players. Get to, uh, get to meet everyone. That would be yeah. quite cool. But dream project. I think actually, no, I'll tell you what I'd really quite like to do is a sports biography. I think translate mm-hmm. a biography or an autobiography. Mm-hmm. At some point, I think that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. A sort of different take on translation for sports yeah because uh, there are some really good sports biographies and autobiographies out there so mm-hmm. that's something yeah hopefully i'll get around to yeah sounds interesting to wrap it up um can you just sort of remind everyone what services um you offer and how they can get in touch with you if they have any more questions about this or if they are looking for a sports translator in your language combination and want to get in touch with you yep so i'm on linkedin my name is chris drew on linkedin um i have a website cdrewlanguagesolutions.co.uk mm-hmm. i'm on all the social media uh, similar handles which you can find from my website as well and yeah please do feel free to get in touch if you want any if you have any more questions to ask or if you think i can help with some sports related translation mm-hmm. or subtitling what was your language combination again my language combination i work mostly from spanish to english i also mm-hmm. do uh, some catalan to english for sport as well yeah that's great then i'll um i'll put your um information in the show notes as well if anyone wants to just go and click on a link instead of trying to type it into google <laughs> go click, that <laughs> link. click the link thank you yeah <laughs> no, that'll be good <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris, for being on the podcast again um, for a second time. Um, it's been really great to have you here as usual, and it's been like really nice to be able to do one in person. All my previous episodes have all been via Zoom, and there probably will be future ones via Zoom because a lot of translators don't live in Manchester. And <laughs> 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 people that I want to talk to, not everyone lives in Manchester, unfortunately. Um, but if anyone wants to come to Manchester and meet us, Come and say hello. <laughs> Manchester's quite great, actually. <laughs> now I'm going to stop talking about Manchester. Thank you, Chris. Um, <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me back. 
Thanks for listening to this episode about sport translation. Thank you, Chris, for joining me again and to everyone who sent in their questions. Make sure to check out the show notes if you want to get in touch with Chris and don't forget to at Jose Mourinho. If you have any feedback or questions about the podcast, please send an email to meetthetranslator at gmail.com. See you next time.